This is Play Action Cast. What's it about? Sports stuff, I guess. With Jeff Malinoff. Jeff Malinoff. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Hello one and hello all. Welcome back to the Play Action Cast. My name is Jeff Malinoff. I know it's been an incredibly long time since we've done a Play Action Cast episode, but we are back now and we are going to be looking back at the 2021 NFL Draft two years later. The very first episode we've done, it was about the 2020 NFL Draft and I did a mock draft. It was not entirely accurate as all mock drafts are not 100%, of course. But we're going to be looking back and seeing what are hits, what are misses, and what does the NFL look like since that time. We'll also take a look at the college football playoff rankings. They just opened up the first week of those rankings. Who's the number one? Do we agree with it? We'll take a look at that. And also just take a look about what about week nine of the NFL and see who's going to be win, who's going to lose, who are my guarantees and who are my not-so-guarantees. And maybe if you want to bet on those bets, feel free to. That's what I'm here for. But... Let's take a look at the very first uh, thing we have on our on our calendar right now is the 2021 NFL Draft Retrospective. Now, it's been a pretty crazy time since then. About two, year, uh, two years of the NFL, especially with drafting, a lot can happen, of course. So this is going to be an interesting look back. Who were hits and who were misses? Let's take a look at just that first overall pick, which was, of course, Trevor Lawrence, he was the guarantee number one pick. He was the Peyton Manning of that draft. He was the, you can't miss him, the Andrew Luck, the Peyton Manning, the you can't miss pick. And honestly, it seems to be going well. He's 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 definitely gone into a groove his first couple of years. I mean, his first year was with Urban Meyer. So that wasn't great. He definitely did struggle. But of course, when you have a coach like Urban Meyer who just did not get how to coach on the NFL level, it made sense that he did not succeed. But when they got their new coaches, when they got D- uh, Doug Peterson, it just something something hit with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, of course, you're looking at them right now. They are a contender. They're 6-2 and two at the moment as I speak. This is Saturday, November 4th, so right before Week 9. And they have been playing excellent. And Trevor Lawrence has been playing excellent. They had a playoff win the previous year against the L.A. Chargers when they were down by almost three score, three scores, and then some. They were being blanked, and then they made a comeback and win the game. So obviously there was some very good stuff happening there. Doug Peterson has his team playing extremely well, and Trevor Lawrence is the focal point of that offense. Travis Etienne, I hate. Tra- we'll talk about Travis Etienne later on, but I made some big um, – my bads on this, and I will make up for that later on. So, But Trevor Lawrence, I think that is a massive success. I think he is going to be that quarterback for the future. He's going to be there for a very long time. He's going to get an extension once his he still is on his rookie deal. They have plenty of time to develop a team around him before they have to pay him the big bucks. But at the moment, Trevor Lawrence, an absolute hit. And with the number two pick, the Jets selected Zach Wilson. Now, I said this guy was going to be the future for the Jets. Oh, boy, was I wrong? Question mark. Because, you know, obviously he played. He did not play well for his first couple of years. He had some, there was some questions about his character when he did not take the fault of some losses. You know, as the leader of the team, as a quarterback, you got to sometimes say, hey, that's on me. He, um, there was that infamous press conference when he did not make up for that, and that is an issue, honestly. That 
rubbed some people the wrong way, understandably so. And they did, and then the Jets this year draft or uh, traded for Aaron Rodgers. Everyone's like, oh, well, Zach Wilson's time is done. His time is dwindling down. And then in the first drive of this year, Aaron Rodgers tears his uh, Achilles. But oddly enough, he's had some weird surgery that they said was experimental, and now he's already moving around. They said he could come back this year, which is mind-blowing because the Achilles injury takes about a year to heal. So I'm not sure what is going on over there, but honestly, right now, Zach Wilson is still the guy at the moment. He's still the starting quarterback because they have no one else. And the Jets have been playing relatively decent. Um, Zach Wilson has made plays. Like his game against the Kansas City Chiefs was his little swan. Uh, I don't want to call it a swan song, but it was definitely a uh, I'm going to prove everybody wrong kind of game. And he played incredibly well. And honestly, the Jets are still competing for a playoff spot at the moment. I mean, if you look at the standings right now, they're still four and three. And, you know, of course, the defense is incredibly talented. Sauce Gardner is leading that defense, and they're playing incredibly well. You cannot knock back anything the defense is doing. But when it comes to the offensive side, Brees Hall is playing at a high level at the running back position. Garrett Wilson is, is looking to be a number one wide receiver there for a while as well. So Zach Wilson does have weapons around him, and he has been doing what he can to win. Is some of the losses on him? Of course. He has been playing unbelievably stellar, but he's playing enough for the team to win games. And that's really all you can ask for him at the moment. Is that something you ask for a number two pick? No, not really. But, I mean, he's still trying to prove his worth, and you got to respect that. I think he has turned a corner on, like, just being a leader. I think guys are uh, trying to trying to get it behind him, trying to really push for him. And I think that's a really good thing to see. So I, I, I'll call him a meh at the moment. I say I, don't, I wouldn't call him a bust, but I wouldn't call him a success either. So there's just a middle, a healthy middle is what Zach Wilson is for sure. Now looking at the third pick, which is probably the most infamous pick in that entire draft, where the 49ers traded multiple first-round picks. They traded that year's first, the next year's first, and the year after that's first to move up 10 spots, or about nine, eight, nine spots to get to the number three overall pick. And that was during the Jimmy G uh, era where he was getting injured. He was very injury prone. They did not know if he was going to be the future of this team, which is understandable when your guy is continuously getting injured. It's just a big question mark, of course. So they went in, they took a chance, and they drafted Trey Lance from North Dakota State. I, in my prediction, said Justin Fields was going to be that third pick. I thought he was the better solution. But, of course, with a team like the 49ers, they were looking for a guy to be their future. And Justin Fields had that injury bug about him at Ohio State, especially with his hip issue. And they were dealing with a guy with an injury history as well in Jimmy Garoppolo. So I kind of understand at the time going with uh, Trey Lance, they thought his intelligence, they thought his football IQ was superior. They thought he could just lead this team. Now we look at it two years later and he's with the Dallas Cowboys now as their third string quarterback. So in Heinz, in that thought process, you're like, oh, this is one of the biggest busts in history. It's hard to call him a bust when he hasn't really had the opportunity to do anything. His first year was behind Jimmy Garoppolo, and they went to the NFC Championship game. He played some games, showed what he is capable of, 
gave them a big win against the Houston Texans that year to help them get an opportunity to be even in playoff eligible. But again, when he had his first full, when he was like, yeah, here's the keys, Trey, you're going to be the quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. His first game was in a monsoon against Chicago. So he didn't really have the best opportunity to really show what he's capable of there. But then he goes to week two against Seattle breaks his foot, and he's out for the year. So that's not fair to him because then Garoppolo comes in, plays well, of course, because that around that offense, who can't play well? But we obviously, we've seen, we've seen that in the past. So then he breaks his foot. And then this guy by the name of Brock Purdy, the, the last pick in the draft, that in 2022 comes in. And then plays absolutely phenomenal. Wins 10 straight, wins every game of the rest, rest of the year. And then goes on to the NFC Championship game where, unfortunately, he has a freak injury in the first, um, first uh, quarter of the game. He can't throw the football. The, set, the backup quarterback comes in. Josh Johnson, XFL, USFL, wherever a football league is happening, he was in that league. And then he gets hurt. He gets a concussion, which you can't play with a concussion, especially against a defense like the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFC Championship game, and I've never seen a team with the worst luck than the 49ers in that game in my life. So right now, and then they made the move. They said, hey, Brock Purdy's going to be the guy. Trey Lance is going to fight for that job this year. And what turned out to be was Sam Darnold comes and takes this backup position from Trey Lance, and then he gets traded for a fourth-round pick. So in that sense, the 49ers, on the 49ers' side, that's a bust. Understandable, it's a bust because they got nothing out of it except for a fourth-round pick for multiple firsts and a, and, a, and a couple of seconds. But for Trey Lance, he really never got to show what he's capable of because he never had more than a couple of games, and that's not fair. So I, I hope he gets another opportunity in the future, but that's just the way things work in the NFL. And then the Falcons, after that, drafted Kyle Pitts, the, the highly praised tight end from Florida. And people are being, like, especially in fantasy football, people are so furious with how the Falcons are using him. Because he's not getting enough. He, he, he has shown flashes of why he was that highly touted out of Florida. And he still never got the opportunity. He, he's getting a couple of catches a game, but he's not looked at as the number one offensive weapon for them. And he very could. He very could be that guy. He just, I don't know how the offense, like, the offense is very run-heavy, and like they are, you're using like three or like again this year in 2023, guys in 2023 draft, excuse me, they got John Robinson from, and he's that for that first round running back, and he's been playing very, pretty well. But then again, he he's not on the injury report and doesn't even play a snap because he might have a headache or a, a, he's sick. Like I don't know what's going on in Atlanta, but how they use their first round picks is very questionable to say the least. So. I think if Kyle Pitts gets was drafted to another team, we'd be looking at him as one of the top five tight ends in the NFL because I think they'd use him a little more frequently than what Atlanta did. Maybe Atlanta picked him because he was that touted, and they were like, okay, we kind of have to pick this guy. I don't think they really knew what to do with him because it feels like they don't know what to do with him, and that's very unfortunate. So hopefully maybe they, they, they turn it around. And, but I wouldn't be surprised if they, like, once his – fifth-year option comes around, they decline it, and he goes to another team and, and succeeds because he definitely has the talent. You see it. You see it. He has it. 
Like, when he shows out, he shows out. But, unfortunately, the Atlanta Falcons don't give him enough opportunities to show up. So, we'll see what happens. But I don't want to call him a bust. I don't want to call him success either. I'm going to say a we'll see from Kyle Pitts because we really haven't seen anything yet. Then the Bengals selected Jamar Chase at the fifth pick. Massive hit. Mazel Tov, Cincinnati. You made one of the best picks in the first round. He was one of the crucial reasons they're still competing to this day. They've been to back-to-back AFC title games. They went to a Super Bowl, and a lot of it has to do with the drafting of Jamar Chase because Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase have such a good chemistry together, and I think they are going to be one of the best duos. They're still the one of the best duos in football. I don't, I don't doubt that for a second. So I don't need to say much about Jamar Chase because that was an absolute home run. And then the Dolphins with the sixth pick, they traded up uh, in that because they traded back down from the Niners. They traded up to get uh, Jalen Waddell, that speedster from Alabama, and, you know, him and Tyreek Hill together. I mean, that's the fastest duo in football. And then you have two of the fastest running backs with Ahmed and, um, and Mostert. And I know there's injuries, bugs going on with the running back side. But when it comes to receiver side, it's hard to cover both Waddle and Tyreek Hill. And I think that's going to be a great duo. It's still a great duo, but it's going to be a duo that could take a team to a Super Bowl. So I know he hasn't had any Pro Bowls yet. He's, he's not looked at as the number one receiver, but of course behind Tyreek Hill, there's not a lot of receivers that would be number one ahead of Tyreek Hill. I honestly, there might not be one that could be ahead of Tyreek Hill as a number one receiver in the NFL because Tyreek Hill is playing like he's the best wide receiver in football. And it's really hard to not to deny that. So I'm going to give that a little up to um, Jalen Waddle. He, he statistically he's doing pretty decent. I'm going to say that's a success though, because how good of a duo him and Tyreek Hill are together. Even if Tyreek Hill wasn't there, I still think he would be a number one receiver in Miami. Moving on to the number six, seventh pick, excuse me, seventh pick, Troy Lions uh, got Panay Sewell, the offensive tackle from Oregon, who was, without question, the best tackle coming out of the draft, and he has delivered. I mean, look at the Lions right now. That Lions team developed around him, around that left tackle, and Panay Sewell's been playing fantastic. I mean, he really has. I mean, you don't really hear much about offensive tackles, obviously, but how good the Lions are playing now, they're one of the best teams in the NFC, if not of all of football. I mean, it's behind a great offensive line, and he is the leader of that offensive line. So without question, a success. I mean, I'm surprised he dropped that low. I thought the Bengals were going to get him because of the fact that at the time they drafted Jamar Chase, they had offensive line issues, but... Both come out with great players. The Bengals and Lions hit massively on in this draft. And then with the eighth pick, the Lions selected J.C. Horn, the cornerback from South Carolina, which was a shock to people. They thought Patrick Sertan Jr. was going to be the first cornerback selected, but J.C. Horn comes up there and takes it. Um, a little bit of an injury bug himself, hasn't, and he's on a very bad Panthers team. I can't say hit or miss. I'm going to say meh because... Of the fact that, like, again, he's injury prone, but I guess that's not fair to him. He is on injury reserve now. Maybe it is fair to say he is a bust, but again, I can't say that yet until he shows what he is possibly is able to do because of the fact he's injuries. He's injured so much. But, you know, at the moment, bust. I mean, I don't want to say it, but I kind of have to say it. J.C. Horn is a bust as of right now. I hope he steps it up later when he gets healthy, 
but when you're not healthy, you can't perform, and you're not worth the eighth pick in the draft. And then with the ninth pick, the Broncos steal Patrick Sertan Jr., and I remember seeing uh, Broncos wanting, the Broncos fans at least, wanting Justin Fields because they needed a quarterback at the time. This was before Russell Wilson. So at the time, people were a little like, I wish, I love Patrick Sertan, but I wish we had Justin Fields. I think they love Patrick Sertan. I don't think any team would be, I don't think the Denver Broncos fans would not want him on that team now. I think Patrick Sertan has turned into a true corner, a true number one corner, a true elite corner. That is an absolute success. Money, money, money. He is going to be a great one for the time to come, just like his dad. All right, moving on to the 10th pick. Eagles got Devontae Smith, the Heisman winner. And this was, of course, uh, at the same time, like, oh, this guy is 100 pounds soaking wet. Like, what is this? What are these guys going to do with him? So this was before the A.J. Brown trade as well. So this was looked at as the number one receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles, but he has been playing fantastic. That is one of the best offenses in football, along with A.J. Brown. I mean, you have to cover A.J. Brown, and Devontae Smith has proven that even though he's a very tiny, he looked like a tiny man, 100 pounds soaking wet, he has proved to be an elite wide receiver and a possible number one receiver elsewhere in the NFL with how good that team is. Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, and Devontae Smith is a very, very impressive three-headed monster in the NFL and in the NFC and you will very much you will very much see them be competing for years to come. All right, moving on with the 11th pick, the Bears selected Justin Fields. That's where Justin Fields dropped. He had played decent. He had showed signs. I mean, he broke the, a couple of rushing records for a quarterback uh last year. Um and he has been playing pretty decent before he got injured. I mean, he has a thumb injury. When you have a throwing hand injury, can only do so much. So, at the moment, He's still looking to be a great pickup for the Bears. Has multiple four touchdown games, so he has thrown. He has shown his throwing ability as well as his running ability. So I think the Bears are very happy who who they have at the quarterback position. So hopefully he gets back soon. But at the moment, the Bears have two top five picks of the draft. I think they're pretty happy where they are currently. And then with the twelfth pick, the Cowboys selected Micah Parsons from Penn State. And he is, I do I need to say anything? He is a defensive player of the year candidate every single year. He's a massive success, and he's going to be the face of the Dallas Cowboys defense until he retires. I don't think he's going anywhere for the rest of his career. So, bing, ding, 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 ding. Congrats, Dallas. With everyone worrying about quarterbacks and such, you managed to get the one of the best defensive players in that entire draft. Good job. And then with the 13th pick, the Chargers got Rashawn Slater, the second uh, tackle taken from Northwestern. He has proven to be great himself. I think he was a home run pick for the Chargers, and Justin Herbert does not have to worry about his blind side with Rajon Slater. So ding, 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 another massive hit for the Chargers. And then with the Jets' second pick in the draft, the first round at least, they got Elijah Vera Tucker, the guard from USC. He was looked at very highly as well, especially in the guard section of the draft. Unfortunately, he's on injury reserve now. But before he got injured, he was still a very steady guard, and I don't think anyone has really issues with him in, on the Jets' side, and Jets' fan base. You don't really see him getting blown up a lot, so I think of that as a success. Hopefully he gets back um, soon and gets healthy, but it's going to be a while until we see him back, unfortunately. But before this, before that injury, he was looked at. I looked at him as a very top, a high-end guard for the Jets, and I think that's a good pick. I think that's a successful pick. 
And now this is a tricky one. The Patriots selected Mac Jones with the 15th pick. Now, I, I predicted that Mac Jones would go to the Patriots. I predicted that one. I got that right. I was very proud of that pick. <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, just I love the meme of Belichick shaking his head no after a throw by Mac Jones. So seeing Mac Jones now, my oh my, has this Patriots team fallen since Brady left. But, I mean, getting blown out multiple games back-to-back, not even scoring a touchdown in multiple games. Mac Jones looked to be a huge bust coming into this year. However, he has played, he's a game manager. He's not a world beater. He's a game manager. I know that word, that's a buzzword now when you look at some other quarterbacks, but I don't see Mac Jones as a guy that could lead a team to victory. I think he's just got to stick behind his weapons and make, and make them make, have them make plays. So it's going to be very interesting to see what his future is, but I give him a meh. I don't think you can even give him how you, because he's been in the playoffs once, so you can't give him a eh. You can't give him a bust, so I'll give him a meh. And then the Arizona Cardinals pick next. After that, the 16th pick was Zayvon Collins from Tulsa. If I remember correctly, he was not even in my mock draft at the time. He's not in my first-round mocks. So he hasn't done much. These are his stats as of um, last year. Two sacks. One interception, one forced fumble, one touchdown out of that. He he doesn't, I don't really know what to say. He's a middle-of-the-pack linebacker for the Cardinals on a very bad Cardinals team. I give him meh because he's not a guy where you look at and go, oh, that's a surefire bust. He's still, he's still a part of this team. He's still a starter. He's still playing decent. Like He's not like a Fred Warner or a... Of course, Michael Parsons, where you see him all over the field, he gets the job done, just he's not lighting up uh, highlight reels. So, meh, again, another meh. And then you go to the Vegas uh, Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders, and um, they they drafted uh, the offensive tackle Alex Leatherwood from Alabama. Now, I had him in my mocks as well. He was a first-round pick in my book. I had a lot of tackles taken in this draft because of how I – because this was a tackle draft, a receiver, a corner, and a tackle draft. This, those were the three top ones. Uh, well, the fact that he's on the Cleveland Browns now and not the Raiders shows he's a bust. That's all you got to say. He's not, even on the, he's not even on the same team anymore, and he's on the practice squad for the Browns. Bust. That's all you got to say. Miami Dolphins, Jalen Phillips, defensive end out of Miami. Or, uh, well, UCLA then went to Miami, so technically Miami. He's he's been doing decent. I mean, sixteen sacks out of the um, in two years for a uh, linebacker for an end is pretty good. I'm not gonna knock him back. I think he's still part of a defense that's gonna be a playoff team. So okay, I'll go okay. We'll go okay with Jalen Phillips. And then the Washington Football Team, the Commanders, now selected uh, selected Jamin Davis, the linebacker from Kentucky. Interesting pick. I think it was a reach in my opinion, and it still really has been because he's been pedestrian in the statistics and pedestrian when you see him on the football field. Eh, I give him an eh on that one. I mean, just not a world beater. And then, of course, the New York Giants selected Kadarius Tony, the wide receiver from Florida. 
Well, considering he is now on the Kansas City Chiefs and he cost them the first, uh, the game against the Lions with multiple um, multiple uh, drops. But he does have the longest punt return in a Super Bowl ever. So, eh, I can't say but. I mean, he's not on the Giants anymore, so but's there for the Giants. But... I mean, yeah, I mean, he's a bust. I mean, what he he had does not have the statistics to be a top receiver, especially in a first round pick section. So, bust. I'm sorry, Kadarius, but rules are rules. Then the Colts, after that, slide to Quiddy Pay, the end from Michigan, playing relatively decent. Doesn't have the stats to really show a, a first round pick, uh, especially when you compare him to Micah Parsons. It's not exactly fair, but regardless, the, the defense is getting better in Indianapolis for sure, but they still have a long ways to go. So we'll keep them there for right now as a, well, okay. I'll give them okay. And then the Tennessee Titans selected Caleb Farley with their, with their next pick. But unfortunately, uh, he's not exactly um, playing right now. He is, of course, earlier before the season started. His, there was an explosion in his home that unfortunately took the life of his father, and he hasn't been back since. He And he's been injured back and forth. We don't know how he would play now if that explosion does not happen. So I can't call him a bust just because something's beyond his control. This isn't an injury thing. This is a tragedy thing, and that's not fair to him. So we'll, I'm going to just skip that one and just say prayers to his family still. It's not easy to go over an, an accident like that, and it's not even been a year yet. It's going to take some time to heal, and it's not going to be easy. So, prayers to him, of course. Minnesota uh, Vikings selected uh, Christian Derisaw, another offensive lineman from Virginia Tech. Um, he's he's played in 26 games. He started 24 of them out of the last two years. Um, he's only 24 years old. He is active. He's still playing. Um he, he only missed four games of his rookie season with a groin injury. Um, so after overall there, he, I mean, he's been doing okay. The offense is still clicking on the Viking side. You're not hearing his name, which probably is a good thing, and he's still on the team. So I'm going to give him an okay on that. Give him an okay. With the 24th pick, the Pittsburgh Steelers selected Najee Harris, running back from uh, Alabama as well. Alabama was taking over this draft this year. I mean, they... It was a pretty great draft for Alabama, like it always is. Anyways, uh, Najee Harris, uh, he was looked at as the top running back in this draft. Obviously, he was the first one taken. And, I mean, his first his rookie year was solid. I would say his rookie year was solid. He was a pro bowler, so that shows you. But, I mean, this year, if you look at him this year, especially in fantasy football, which I traded. I actually dropped him in fantasy football, believe it or not. He was on my dynasty league. I got him last year. Played pretty decent last year. And um, when he came back this year, he wasn't doing anything. He is very, he's not even pedestrian. He's just non-existent in the offensive standpoint for the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, midway through this year. Touchdown here and there. I think he only has two touchdowns this year, if I'm not mistaken. And then, like, I don't know what, I, I got to go meh. I got to go meh because it always, what is most important is not just your rookie year, but what happens after that. Can you replicate that? And he has not yet. So I got to give him meh because he's not replicated his ability. He has shown in his rookie year. Now, 
the 25th pick, the Jaguars selected Travis Etienne. And now I went off on this. I remember vividly how upset I was. Well, not upset, disappointed, I guess, with this pick because they had a great running back already who had multiple thousand-yard seasons. So it made no sense to go with a running back at the time. Now, looking where both are, it was the right pick. Trent Balky, I owe you a sincere apology. Travis Etienne is a great pick because he has shown what he can do with his teammate in just in uh, Trevor Lawrence, and they're a great one-two punch. Travis Etienne was a hit, and he's going to help that team get to the playoffs, and he is going to be a great asset to that team. So I apologize, Trent Balky. You were right. You were absolutely right with the Travis Etienne pick, and it has proved dividends for you. So congratulations there, sir. Congratulations to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Two home run picks in the first round, and that is something very rare in the NFL for sure. So I owe you an apology. I admit when I'm wrong, and I was wrong. All right, moving on to our 26th pick, the Cleveland Browns selected Greg Newsom, the junior or the second, from Northwestern. Good corner. He was on the all-rookie team. He has not yet to have an interception in the NFL. He's pedestrian. He's a pedestrian corner. I'm going to give him a meh. That's all he can really do, and he's a pedestrian corner. And then moving on to the Ravens, of their many, many wide receiver woes, they drafted Rashad Bateman from Minnesota, who was highly touted. I liked him going to this draft personally. I loved uh, Rashad Bateman. I thought he was going to be a world beater, but I'm wrong. I mean, three touchdowns in two years, 73 receptions, 918 yards this season. Or uh, not this season. This season will be unreal. I meant last, of two years. This is a two-year stint. And he has shown very little of being a first-round pick. I got to call him a bust. It's just, I think Rashad Bateman's, a, he's just not playing like a first-round pick. And you got you to gotta put him at a high level. And those stats are for someone that was drafted in the sixth round, not the first. Bust. The next pick, 28th pick, New Orleans selected Peyton Turner, defensive end from Houston. He's on the injury reserve now. You barely hear about this guy. Bust. I haven't heard a thing about him. I forgot he was drafted in the first round. So that shows you all you need to know. Peyton Turner, I'm sorry, sir. You're a bust. Green Bay, however, selects Eric Stokes, Stokes, the corner from Georgia, who has been playing fantastic football. If you see him in coverage, he is great. He is one of the better corners on that Green Bay Packers team and in the NFC North in general. I think he's a hit. I think he's been playing extremely well uh, with the Green Bay Packers, and I think he deserves a lot of credit because his stats might not show it, but if you see him, he's a lockdown corner, and he's been doing pretty well on the Green Bay side. I think the Green Bay fans are very happy to have him. 30th pick, Buffalo Bills selected Gregory Rousseau, the, a fellow defensive end from Miami with Phillips. And he's been playing pretty solid. I mean, look at um, the Buffalo Bills. Are st- they're, they're on a skid right now, but he's still competing. He was still part of this defense that helped them get to the deep into the playoffs. So, Gregory, I give you a okay. I give you an okay. 
All right, moving on. The Baltimore Ravens came back into the first round and selected Odafi Away, uh, the uh, the fellow end with Michael Parsons from Penn State, playing relatively well. I don't think I don't think Raven fans or Raven play uh, the team itself has really issues with him. I think he's been playing decent. I he, his again he, his stats are not really showing. Only nine sacks in two years. However, he's still on a very good Ravens team. He's still a starter for a very good Ravens team. Can't hate on that. I give him a okay. Give that an okay. Next up, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the final pick of the draft select J. Tyron. I'm gonna try to pronounce it. Tron Tryon Shayokin Shayoinka Shayoinka from Washington. I remember that he was very touted coming into this um, to that, and you know he's been playing pretty decent. Um, all things considered, I mean the the. Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in a weird phase right now in their in their in their franchise. I don't think they're fighting for they're not rebuilding. They still have pretty decent teams. Right now they're three and four. They've lost three straight. They started out three and one, but they have lost three straight. That kind of hurts them. But I don't think they're in a rebuild mode yet. I think after the end of this season, we'll see if they're in a rebuild mode. So I'll give them another eh. I'll give them an eh on that one. So a couple of a couple of greats and a lot of mess, but that's the 2021 NFL draft for you. So let's take a quick look. Let's let's transfer over to college football because we did just witness the first college football playoff polls this year. So we are getting close to that bowl season, ladies and gentlemen. And let's take a look at who is the top four currently in Georgia surprisingly is not number one. Granted, they have faced no challenge. They have faced no challenge this year, so being 8-0 was a given. But Ohio State takes that first step at being the number one team in the college football polls. I mean, if you look um, just this last week, they beat a, a good Penn State team. So you can't say they don't earn that number one spot because they have been ranked teams. Georgia has not. And then the next is uh, Georgia at number two. I mean, it, even though they have not played anyone really threatening their undefeated season or their playoffs, for that matter, they're still one of the best teams. They still have the best teams in college football. I think if, even if they face a ranked team, they would still be undefeated and they would still be ranked. Now we go to Michigan. Obviously, the sign-stealing stuff is going on. A couple of staff members have been fired. There is even a picture of someone that was wearing uh, Central Michigan gear that is supposedly on the Michigan staff. So, a lot of questions need to be answered still. Even Michigan rescinded their contract extension with Harbaugh. His current contract is still active, but they had an extension for him later after that one ended, and they rescinded that one. So... There's a lot of questions going on right now with the Michigan Wolverines, but currently they're still a very good football team. I don't think they need sign ceiling, personally, but we'll see. We'll see what the outcome is. There's still so many unanswered questions with that whole thing. There's not enough information going around right now, so it, it, it's it's it does look bad for Michigan. Let's 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 face facts. If you have someone on your staff allegedly dressing up in Central Michigan gear on their sidelines, pretending to be one of their assistant coaches, that's all sorts of suspicious. That does not make you a good person. That doesn't make you. That doesn't make you look very innocent in my mind. 
if that is a factual statement. So we'll see. And then number four is Florida State. I mean, I I don't think a lot of people expected Florida State to be competing in a playoff spot, but they have managed to be beating a lot of good teams, and they've been playing incredibly well. I think they do deserve that number four slot. But right behind them is Washington, and Washington has been in the playoffs before, but they did get killed by Alabama. But Alabama's not in it this year, most likely. I mean, it's hard for Alabama. I mean, that loss to Texas really hurt them. They're all the way at number eight. But they and they barely beaten some bad teams. I mean, they almost lost to Arkansas for crying out loud. So I don't see Alabama making the playoffs this year. I think if Washington wins the Pac-12, probably the last Pac-12 we'll ever see, they could have a chance. If Florida State, so whoever wins their conference between Florida State and Washington, it's going to be down to them in the last who's going to take that fourth slot if they manage to stay undefeated. If they don't stay undefeated, I think Oregon leaps them or Texas leaves both of them because Florida State and Washington need to stay undefeated to keep their playoff hopes alive, obviously. But if one of them loses, they're not just dropping a couple spots. They might drop down to like seven, eight, nine, or even ten. That, that's, how, that's the thin line they both those both teams are on right now. So they got to keep up. Washington has been playing great. They beat Oregon, which was a huge statement win for that for, for that uh, program. So we'll see how they stand. But if they lose, if I can see them going to a Pac-12 championship game, and if they lose that game, who knows where they're going to end up. So if if it's, again, Oregon and Washington again facing each other, facing off, we'll see what happens. But it, it's going to be interesting to say the least, especially just overall. But it's going to be interesting. I, I'm not sure how that's going to transpire. I mean, we're, let's look at this week, for example. Uh, we're looking at like week 10 right now in the college football world. Currently, uh, Florida State is playing Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is 2-6, and six, but they have been known to take away a couple ACC playoff hopes. I mean, a couple years ago when Miami was number two, Pittsburgh beat them. In a, uh, so that's going to be interesting. And then, of course, we see Georgia playing Missouri, their first ranked matchup. Missouri, if, they, if Missouri wins this, I'd be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked if they jumped a couple spots into the top 10 and see where they end up. But we'll see how that transpires. But uh, Oregon, again, is playing Cal. That's a win for them. But looking at Washington, if Washington loses to USC, that's going to hurt them, obviously. But it's not just going to hurt them, hurt them. I think it might take them out of playoffs for good. So we'll see how that transpires. So it's going to be definitely an interesting uh, week, this week at least. So we'll see how that transpires. But right now, Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, Florida State are your top four. Other teams that are shockingly in this is uh, Air Force is number 25. Good for them. Shout out to our Air Force. I mean, uh, if you saw their schedule, they, the, the game they played last week, they showed their schedule. They they don't get any sleep, and yet they're undefeated. So respect to them. They're only Not only are they uh, fighting in the top 25 and they're undefeated, they're also training to be in the Air Force. So respect to those guys. But right now... If I'm looking, if I'm going to make a prediction right now for a one-loss team going into that, going to be in that playoffs, it's either going to be Texas or Oregon, maybe Oklahoma, but I don't see Alabama making it to the top four, which is crazy to think about. But I just don't see, I don't see Alabama making it ahead of Oregon, Texas, or Oklahoma if they're all one-loss teams. So we'll definitely see what happens there. And finally. A quick look at week nine. These are my predictions, I guess you can say, for who's going to win. 
So you can take my predictions and put them in betting if you want, but don't blame me because this is unpredictable. Dolphins, Chiefs, I say Dolphins upset. I really do. I think Kansas City, when they play against really good teams, kind of struggle. I think they really go into these dogfights, but they do come out victorious most often than not. But I think Dolphins are going to make a statement win against the Chiefs, who Chiefs are minus one and a half, so betting the spread makes no sense in the situation if it's one and a half. But anyways, I say Dolphins make an upset victory and really prove that they have a chance to win the AFC entirely and go on to the Super Bowl. Bears and Saints. Bears without their starting quarterback. Got to give it to the Saints on this one, but seeing how Derek Carr and the Saints offense is playing, I'm not expecting this to be a shootout. And eight and a half, is interesting. An eight and a half spread is interesting. I might take, excuse me, I might take the eight and a half for the Bears. I might do plus eight and a half Bears if I'm a bet man, but I think the Saints are going to win this one regardless. Bucks and Texans. Bucks have lost three straight, like we mentioned. Texans are three point favorites at home. I don't think anyone expected the Texans to have three wins right now. I think D'Amico Ryan's has done a phenomenal job. And I'm very happy for him because he's just that kind of coach. When you talk about the D, he was a DC for the 49ers. When you talk about players that were coached under him, they all loved him. JJ White gave him a stamp of approval himself. And I think he's proven to be a great head coach. I'm going to give the Texans the win on this one. I think the Buccaneers are on a downhill slide and the Texans are just playing well. And CJ Stroud is looking to be rookie of the year caliber in my mind. I think he's done, he's done way better than Bryce Young has. And I think, I think C.J. Stroud is the right pick for the Texans, and he, if he plays good after his rookie year like this, I see him as the future of that Texans team for years to come. Cardinals and Browns. Cardinals is 1-7. Browns is 11.5-point favorites, and Deshaun Watson is supposedly coming back. So I'm going to get the Browns on this one. I, I, I would just, I don't want to, the 11.5 spread is tricky. However, I would go with it because of the fact the Cardinals are reportedly playing their rookie, Clayton Toon. He's expected to start for the Cardinals, or yes, to start for the Cardinals against a very good Browns defense. I'll take 11.5 for the Browns for sure. All right, Commanders and Patriots. Give me the Commanders on this one because the defense for the Patriots is lacking severely. So give me the Commanders against the Patriots because Sam Howell throws the ball at least 50 times a game. And I think they'll wear out the Patriots' defense. I think this will be a commander's win for sure. Rams-Packers. That's an interesting one. It is in Green Bay. So that might be a little factor in this one. But how the Rams played last week was pretty ugly. Probably their ugliest loss in McVay's tenure with the Rams. But... I think I'm going to go with the Packers on this one. It's in Green Bay. It's in Lambeau. That might take effect to the warm weather Rams team. So give me give me Packers over Rams on that one. Seahawks and Ravens, probably the most interesting game besides Dolphins and um, besides Dolphins and Chiefs. This is probably the second important game of the year of the season for these guys. Seahawks are now first in the NFC West thanks to the Niners' three game skid. Niners are on a bye, so they might need this. So if I'm a betting man. I could see an upset for the Seahawks. It's a plus six spread. I like that spread against Seahawks. So I'm going with Seahawks plus with plus six over the Ravens for sure. But 
I, I could it could go either way, but again, that plus six with the Seahawks is really good. But if I had to pick a winner outright, I'm gonna give this to Seattle again. They're playing hot right now, so I think that's really good for them. Moving on to Vikings, Falcons. Interesting game for sure. Kirk Cousins is out for the year with a torn Achilles, which sucks for the uh, Vikings because they've been playing well. They've been on a winning streak. They have a chance to maybe squeeze into the playoffs, but no Justin Jefferson right now, and then no Kirk Cousins. They did trade for Josh Dobbs, who might be their starter for the future um, later on the year, but at the moment, they got their backup right now. It's not Nick Mullins. It's it's just a backup rookie they got in the draft, Jaron Hall. So this will be his first step up in the NFL. So we'll see how that goes against an Atlanta Falcons team that's also trying to squeeze into a playoff spot. But we have two starting new starting quarterbacks because the Falcons did bench Desmond Ritter. And they put in Taylor Heineke, who has proven to be still, uh, decent for the Washington Commanders in the years prior. So we'll see how um, Taylor Heineke leads the Atlanta Falcons in the future. We'll see how Jaron Hall does. Maybe they don't need Josh Dobbs. So we'll definitely see. But this is the most coin flip game I've ever seen because either team can win on a coin flip. You know what? Let me do that right now. All right. I don't have a coin on me. So Siri, flip a coin. Wait, hold on. I should Maybe I should figure out whose heads and whose tails first. Okay. Heads will be Falcons, tails, Vikings. Actually, no, tails should be Falcons because they have tails. Okay, tails, Falcons, heads, Vikings. Siri, flip a coin. Not sure you understand. Okay, Siri, flip a coin. It's heads. Vikings will win this game. Give me the Vikings, thanks to Siri. All right, moving on, it's Colts and Panthers. Give me the Colts because I don't think, I think the Panthers are going to win... Two games this year, and they've already won one of them. So they've won their one against the Houston Texans in an ugly 15-13 win. Gaming the Colts on this one. They've been playing relatively decent. They almost beat the Cleveland Browns, but the refs had other ideas in mind. And then uh, last week, they did lose to the Saints. So they are due for a win. I think this is their um, bounce-back win against the Panthers. Cowboys-Eagles. Eagles, um, seeing how the Cowboys play against uh, playoff contenders and Super Bowl contenders, i.e. the like their game against the 49ers, it's hard to put them in a win against a very talented team like the Eagles. So give me Eagles over Cowboys outright. Give me the minus three spread also. I don't think it's going to be that close. And honestly, that game against the 49ers really showed me that maybe this team isn't ready for top teams in the NFL. So Cowboys, prove me wrong, but give me the Eagles minus three on that one. Then we have the Giants and Raiders. Wow, what a terrible game this is. They benched Jimmy Garoppolo, the Raiders did, and the Giants are the Giants. Good Lord, this is, you know, don't watch this game. For your own benefit, for Giants and Raiders fans, for your own stress, don't watch this game. It's not worth it. It's not worth it, you guys. But, if I need a bet, even though uh, Josh McDaniels is fired for the Raiders as well, somehow they are always good with their with their interim head coaches. So give me the Raiders in this game because interim head coaches for the Raiders always prove dividends, even though they won't hire them. <sighs> okay, moving on. Sunday night football, Bills, Bengals. 
Bills have been just I don't know what's up with them. They they were for, they won last week against the Bucks, but not by much. And then they were on a, a losing streak and they lost the Patriots. So this is going to be interesting. And then they're playing the Bengals who are starting to find their groove a little bit. So give me the Bengals and give me the spread minus two. I don't think it's going to be because that's just an easy – You just do it outright. I don't understand why a minus two spread exists. Give me Bengals outright. It's Plus it's in Cincinnati. It's going to be interesting for sure because last time these two played in Cincinnati, DeMar Hamlin had his tragic heart attack. Fortunately, he's okay. It's going to be a little – it's going to be interesting how they um, have this game play out because it was a primetime game as well. So fingers crossed, knock on wood, anything you want to do. But give me the Bengals over the Bills. Then Monday night, Chargers-Jets. Interesting, interesting. Give me the Chargers on this one. Justin Herbert, I, I give me Justin Herbert over Zach Wilson any day of the week. I got Chargers over Jets. I know the Chargers are going to charge her this probably defense-wise, but give me the Chargers because I think Justin Herbert is finding his groove again. He's been playing outstanding this year, so Chargers over Jets. That is our show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us, and we are going to be back. I'm going to be doing these way more frequently, I promise. But until then, my name is Jeff Malinoff, and I'll see you next time.